Because We Make, the podcast about making creativity and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and today we're bringing you another bonus episode. I had the privilege of being on the Weathered Soul podcast, and it was a hell of a lot of fun. And we talked about entrepreneurship and finding your creative groove and all that kind of stuff. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I figured you guys would enjoy it too, since we talked so much about the maker community and becoming a maker and We even got to peel back the curtain a little bit, and you get to hear how I got started in podcasting. Well, now you know. Anyway, enjoy the show, and we will be back again next week with a guest. Until then, have a great one, everybody. It's right. It's left. It's conservative. It's progressive. It's national. It's local. It's business. It's personal. It's just two old guys sitting in a garage wondering when... People are going to get off the grass. It's the Weather Soul Podcast live from Personal Production Studios in Gilroy, California. We would like to welcome you to Gilroy's number one podcast and only podcast that I know of. And we hope that you'll enjoy the next hour or so of whatever it is we want to say. So just kick back and here we go. Hey, welcome to the new Weathered Soul podcast. You got Bruce here and I'm going to tell you something, you know, next time, you know, if anybody wants to uh, 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 try to just threaten me of not wearing my face coverings or being in a park or something else like that, that that's keeps every day getting more and more stringent by the day. I mean, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how many things are going on. Welcome to the Weather Soul Podcast, the new Weather Soul Podcast with Bruce and Doug. Hey, Dougie, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Absolutely. Everything's oh, good fantastic. here. Fantastic. Yeah, everything's good there. And then me and Dougie, we actually are only separated by about a mile, mile and a half. But uh, since the, uh, since this coronavirus outbreak, we've been distance so we are doing our social distancing by a mile and a half and we are all doing this on zencaster.com also uh, our distributor is anchor.fm and you are brought to you by first note productions llc and uh, we have a very very special guest today uh, a man that i've known for for a while with what what do you call that a 2020 uh, friendship is that what it is uh, what well, was a 2019 friendship in, a 20... in november so i guess it's a 2020 <laughs> friendship now <laughs> this is vincent ferrari the host of because we make and and vince is a maker and he's also a podcaster and i want to welcome you vince how you doing good i'm doing very good it's great to be here How's things in New York? You're at the hotbed and the uh, fire. You're in the firefight. It's you know I'm 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 I feel so lucky that in 2012 we moved out of New York City because oh man it is just it's just bonkers here. It, like it's every day the news here. It's like I mean it was scary when it was in China, but you know you start hearing the news here and it's like oh yeah it's worse. <laughs> it's much worse. <laughs> it's you know well, you don't you don't feel it. But you, it's that black cloud that's hanging over you all the time in little ways in which your life has changed and how things are affected. It's yeah, incredible. I think, the biggest, I think the biggest struggle for me is just the, the change of the attitudes of what you can do or what you cannot do or, or uh, you know, what restrictions you have. Uh, the CDC coming out with a different thing every day. I mean, this morning they came out with this uh, with this new directive that says that we're going to start letting some people that were infected with COVID-19 come back to work. And it's just, you know, it, it, the whole thing changes every day and it's just kind of real weird. I mean, how, how are you doing, Doug? 
I'm doing okay. I mean, I'm I'm sheltering in place and you know trying to stay clean. Um, you know, uh, I'm one of those people with a compromised immune system, so I don't want to get sick, and I don't want anybody to get me sick. So I'm hoping everybody is uh, doing their, uh, you know, uh, civil duty and being a good citizen and trying to get our country out of this mess as fast as we can and not being dickheads about it. <laughs> I, th I think that is the most common sense thing that I've heard so far. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I joke a lot and I tout about a lot about what our civil, uh, our civil, about our civil liberties are, are going after right now. And, and, you know, the restrictions that we have, I just think sometimes it's a little overreaching, but then again, if people were acting halfway, uh, with common sense, I'm, I don't think a whole lot of these things would, uh, would uh, be uh, pliable right now for uh, for what we're doing. I mean, I don't know how it is over there in New York, but I know that here we're starting to uh, get the inkling that uh, everybody should be wearing masks when we weren't supposed to wear a mask, you know, a month ago. And and uh, social distancing is is uh, relatively done, you know, in in a store. And if you're in a park, that's different. You know, all of a sudden they want to either uh, cite you or. Or, or do some kind of horrendous police state thing to you. Um, I don't know how it is in New York. How's it going over there in your town? I mean, you're just, you're just outside of New York City, right? Yeah. Kind so they, north. yeah, they're they're kind of. I don't want to say they're clamping down, but I've noticed that things are getting a little more restricted, a little at a time, like a little at a time. Like the county a couple of days ago decided they were, the county I live in. They're closing. They closed all the county-owned parks because people yeah. weren't behaving. Westchester. Um, in, in Rockland, Rockland, which is even okay. worse. Rockland's the worst county of all of New York at this point, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Um, they're in Bergen County in New Jersey, neighboring New Jersey. They closed all the parks. So you basically can't go to a park and go outside anymore unless you go to a state park. Like I'm very close to Harriman, which is in the Catskills. I can go there if I want, but I don't know what's there. Like where do you – I don't even know where anything is in Harriman. It's so huge. So I just – you know, whatever. I'm doing the best yeah. I can. I'm staying occupied by being productive. That's how I'm doing it. <laughs> well, I can't leave the house, so I might as well get a lot done in it. <laughs> yeah, if it's a couple of months later, you could go hang out on Lake George on a houseboat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It, was, that, that's not, it would just – so many of my plans have gotten – have absolutely gotten ruined, and it's just – the so I went out to Nevada at the end of – beginning of February – the beginning of February, um, the first weekend in February, I was out in Nevada for the weekend. And I started seeing people in the airports with face masks on. And I'm like, oh, boy, you know, you, you start getting the inkling that things are starting to happen. And then little by little, it was like I had plans to go. I was going to go to I was going to go back to Nevada next week, actually, for a wedding. That's not happening. I was going to come yeah. out to California over the summer. Um, I had friends coming to New York in April and in October. That's not happening. I was going to Minnesota at the end of August. That's not happening. All this stuff that I had planned, like I had, I had this whole year because last year it was basically recovering from surgery the whole year. Right. So I didn't get to do much of anything, and now I had all these great plans. Like I can't do a damn thing, so I might as well just stay yeah, in my he basement. Was, he was coming. He was coming to Gilroy. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was totally ready to come to Gilroy. Like that was that was the move. I know that feeling after 19 months of disability, I was ready to go back to work April 1st and uh, nope. And now my disability is gone. Um, I, I didn't have a job, so I can't file for EDD. Um, and uh, here I am I'm waiting on my government check. 
You're waiting on that twelve hundred dollars. Twelve hundred bucks. That big one time twelve hundred dollars is gonna get you out of everything. It's gonna cost you sixty thousand dollars to get that twelve hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Friggin' believable. Yeah, we're all here together and and, uh, that's just the way it's gonna be. And man, I just I can't wait till this is over. And anybody out there, I, I wanted to I wanted to thank everybody, number one, for listening to the new Weather Toll podcast. The numbers have been astounding. I uh we quit the the podcast for a while and then this uh this uh, virus took over, so we all got sent home and everything and it, and it was just a good time to actually just actually get back into it. I wanted to call it something different. We called it new, you know, so we could call it new and improved or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but you could have called it Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> the response has been incredible. I want to thank everybody for listening to us. Go ahead, Doug. So I was going to say you could have, could have called it, uh, you know, the, the um, Weather Soul Podcast 2.0. <laughs> that's true mm. we could have put anything any kind of moniker around it and it would have been great but uh, like i said the response has been great and uh first and foremost uh i started listening to uh to to vincent's podcast uh because we make because i heard his story on on uh the jason stapleton uh group and i don't remember if it's if it was the if it was the group or if it was just the uh or you got mentioned in the in the podcast but i don't remember too much of it but uh i remember you telling somebody uh, i heard something that you had had a podcast so i decided to bring it in and but then i had also heard that you had a history of podcasting so i wanted to kind of dive into that first and it's like why podcasts and what was your first podcast and, and what got you interested in doing podcasts so i was i have always been a fan of talk radio mainly shock jock radio but also in the old days conservative talk radio like rush limbaugh and sean hannity i don't listen to that stuff anymore but i was always a fan of howard stern and opie and anthony particularly opie and anthony in fact i was my wife and i were just talking yesterday how incredibly influential that one show was on me as a person my sense of humor how i look at the world everything and my friend decided he was going to do this podcast where the first one he did was he was interviewing like really old people. And I'm talking like 80 something year old people, like talking war stories and about the great depression and stuff like that. And I was just like, wow, you can do radio. It was like, it was like being able to do radio without having to go through the hassle of doing radio. And he started a second podcast called information salad. And it was basically just um, whatever the hell he felt like talking about. And I was in the middle of a bit of an interesting story with my um, AOL account. And I had <laughs> the, the short version of the story is I had an AOL account. I wanted to cancel it. I called them up. I knew it was going to be a tough thing to do. So I called them up to cancel it. I recorded the conversation and it took 27 minutes to cancel my AOL account. And that went unbelievably viral unbelievably viral like i was on the today show i was on fox and friends i was oh on gosh. i was on every show on nbc i was on michael smirkanish's show i was on um i was on cnbc i was on squawk box with becky quick um on radio i did so many radio shows i can't dude i can't even tell you how much media i did in the course of about two months i was on 
every show under the sun. I got to meet Judge Knapp, actually. He was one of the hosts of Fox and Friends the morning <laughs> I was there. He actually it was very cool because I forgot to plug my website. He plugged my website for me before they cut to commercial. It was so awesome. But Were you actually sitting in there with Fox yeah, and Friends? Yeah, I was in studio. Oh, my gosh. It was awesome. I actually have I, – I think I have it on my Facebook page. If not, I have a DVD of all my appearances from that couple of weeks. Um, oh Keith Olbermann actually called and for some reason I didn't get the message. Um, you may remember it was around the time that that girl was doing a prayer thing. She was the valedictorian at a school in Kentucky and she was in the green room with me and we were talking about what she had been through. It was so cool. It was the most unbelievable experience of my life. I my bet. friend. Oh, sorry. And you just fell in and you just fell into this. <laughs> I did. I totally fell into it. So my friend is like, hey, why don't you come on my podcast? Because it would get my podcast a little notoriety to have your name attached to it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we went on, we did an hour and 40 minutes. And I was like, at the end, he goes, hey, I was wondering, do you want to do this like every week? You want to come back? And I'm like, sure. We ended up doing 184 episodes of that podcast wow. in 2006. Well, not obviously all in 2006. That would be condensing a lot yeah. of podcasts into one <laughs> one year. Uh, and it just kind of took off from there. So inf Information Salad, we started, we kept it going. We started bringing on other people that were doing other shows. And we created a network of shows. And in 2007, my my friend Chris decided, hey, we can do a live call-in show on as a podcast, but we could do it live streaming over. I don't even remember what we were streaming it over, but he figured out the whole thing. We were taking call live calls on Skype for a sports talk show. And we, we were getting at that point, we were getting about 25,000 downloads a week on seven shows. We had a different show from a different host airing every night. We had a whole network. It was ISPN media, the information salad podcasting network. <laughs> And that's, we, that's, we were crushing fantastic. it. We were crushing it. We were doing really, really well. And then um, we started, there was some, you know, alpha male personality conflict stuff that happened. It was a couple of fights and we just broke it apart and was like, screw it. I don't want to deal with podcasts. I don't want to deal with any of this anymore. And that was the end of it. And then hmm. 2015, I think it was, Chris and I got back in touch like, hey, you know what we should, we should, we, we patched things up and it's like, you know, what? we should start doing a podcast again. Let's just for old time's sake. And we, he had the name, he had the domain is horrible.com. So we started doing the a podcast called is horrible. And we would, every week would be the top, the title of the show would be the title of the subject is horrible. So it'd be like, if we were talking about the elections, it'd be the elections is horrible. You know, and it was just a running gag. We ended up doing, we committed to doing a hundred episodes where the running joke was we were going to do a hundred episodes and then figure out if we wanted to keep doing it. We didn't make it to a hundred episodes. I think we made it to like 84. I think it was 84 episodes we made it to. Um, and we just, it was, I, he and I both just got completely burnt out on politics and uh, that was when we stopped. So about, what was it? About May of last year, I think it was May 17th of last year. I had the the bug up my butt. I'm like, I'm going to start a podcast again, but I want it to be about making and creativity and all that kind of stuff. And I sat down at my computer and I was like, you know what? I'm going to record episode zero. And I just did a quick intro of what I wanted the show to be about. And I started asking people if they wanted to be a guest. And I'm like, hey, it's a new podcast. I don't have a lot of listeners yet, 
but here's what I'm trying to do. And if you'd love, if you could be a part of it, I would really appreciate it. And by some miracle, I managed to get through 13 episodes of a new podcast with a different guest every week when nobody knew who the hell I even was. Yeah, you have an incredible uh, uh, knack for getting people to listen to you. <laughs> I've seen your numbers. I've, I've seen your numbers. I'm absolutely jealous. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're approaching, and I was looking at the numbers before. We just got today, as of today, we just got our second sponsor. So now we have two ad reads in the middle of oh, every nice. episode now. So we have, yeah. um, we just got, we are just on the verge of 9,000 downloads of 40, it'll be 40, it was 43 episodes this week, 42 episodes this week. So we have 9,000 downloads over the course of 42 episodes. Yeah. I can't even believe that we've done this many downloads already. Usually I've never had a podcast just take off the way this one did. And look, we're talking, you know, that really works out to like 220 downloads an episode. We're not talking about massive numbers, but the thing that keeps me going is when Jason was on our podcast, he said that um, he said, you know, when he started the Jason Stapleton show, they were he was getting under 200 an episode. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, he was where I am and look where he is now. And right. that was like that was the spark. I need. I was like, OK, look, the numbers are low now, but you know what? You know how it goes at the beginning of the podcast. It's always a slog. Yeah, and, I think and- I think our, our downfall, I think our downfall is we got to 50 and it was just. You know, nobody. We had we had we had had our apex at somewhere around uh, four or five hundred downloads, and it just we started losing pod or we started missing podcasts and stuff, and it just mm. went and it just crashed. And uh, after after my son passed away and stuff like that, it just really crashed after that. And, and wow, uh, I mean. we just decided to you know decided to give it up, and and then we got this spark. I mean, you know, I, I kind of did the same thing you did. Was uh, let's get, let's get some people that I know that that uh, that would you know like to you know be a guest on the podcast. And the numbers are are better with with uh, with interviews like you and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I think I'm going to keep going. I mean, you know, you're getting a good network of people and, and uh, you know, interesting, uh, interesting conversation and, inter- and interesting information. So one, I think that goes a long way. One of the things that one of the, what changed everything for me was at one point I realized that get, trying to get an interview every week was not sustainable. Um, in fact, one of my guests right after I had him on, he was saying, hey, man, you're doing a good job here. He goes, but I just want to give you a fair warning. You're not going to be able to get a guest every week. You're just going to have to figure something out. So episode 12, I had Ethan Carter on as a guest mm-hmm. and, or it was 11. It was, I think it was 11. Yeah. Episode 11, I had him on as a guest. And then we, after the, at the end of the episode, apparently I said to him, you know, maybe you'll come back. Maybe you'll be my co-host the next time. Who knows? That night I told my wife, I was like, I, th- I think I found my co-host. I think I found a co-host. She goes, you're going to use a co-host? I thought you didn't want a co-host. I thought you wanted to record whenever you wanted. I was like, I do, but he's really good. <laughs> you know, I really like this guy. <laughs> and she goes, well, then ask him, see what he says. So I messaged him. I'm like, hey, I wanted to know. I said, this is, I'm just curious to know, would you be interested in being the permanent co-host? And he even, to this day, he says he still doesn't believe that after, you know, no podcast experience whatsoever, I just asked him. But he said yes, and thank God he did because the very next week my guest canceled, and yeah, had well, he what, had he the, not been my co-host, I'd have nothing. 
<laughs> and that's why I asked Doug to come on my podcast because my numbers are low. And once I got Doug in, my numbers popped up. So I'm going, yeah. thank you, Dougie. It's, it's, <laughs> look, this I, really should be the Doug show. I was yeah. ready to do it. So my friend Dave Swiduck has a podcast and he's able to, I don't know how he does it. I'm amazed by it. But what he does is he doesn't have interviews every week, but when he doesn't have interviews, he does like a 20 minute episode. Hmm. And I'm like, that was hmm. kind of my plan. I was like, well, if I don't have a guest, I can do 20 minutes of talking on my own. I can I can talk forever. I got a big mouth and no filter. So it just worked. <laughs> it just worked out where I had a co-host and it was like, wow, this is great. And then the second episode that he was the co-host, we had a guest and I had to put the show on hiatus because I could not function on chemo. And it was right. like I had to take a month, about a month, a month and a week off. Yeah, I just, for a while. yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I tried, I tried so hard and every week it was a bigger and bigger struggle until I finally told him, I was like, dude, I have to stop. I just have to get better. I have to, the chemo has to stop. I have to, and we came back and we came roaring back. Like it was just like, boom, we're hit. We hit our groove right away. And finally I messaged Jason. And I was like, Hey, remember that time you told me you'd be on my podcast? Do you think you could, we could make that happen? He goes, dude, I didn't forget. He goes, you know, I kind of half forgot, but you know what? Don't trust me. Get in touch with Amy and she'll schedule it. <laughs> there you go. I, was like, I was like, no way. So I messaged Amy. I was like, hey, cause I, I, Amy and I chatted all the time. I was like, Hey, Jason said that he'd be on my show. And she goes, Oh yeah, no problem. I'll get, I'll take care of it. I'll let you know. And so she goes, okay, yeah, just tell me the day. Just give me a day and a time and what you need from him and give me an outline so he can be prepared. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, you have been on a rocket launch since that show. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I started, I started listening to you probably two podcasts before you did the Ethan one and i've been i've just been hooked ever since and, I, Aww, and just, thanks man <laughs> you've got a great you've got a really great podcast man and and uh like i said dude just uh getting those getting those guests and those interviews and, and landing jason <sighs> stapleton dude i was just like oh my god i'm like really <laughs> and it was funny because he's i mean i tell people this all the time jason is my mentor but jason's not just someone that like i say oh yeah i've learned a lot Jason and I've said this, I said it to him on his show when I got to, when I went out there, I said, you are one of the most important people in my life and you don't even know how important you are to my life. Like so much of my ability to deal with all I dealt with last year and to keep pushing forward and to be motivated to do all that is because of him. And it's, I know that he didn't take me and make me do these things. I know that I understand. I'm an adult enough to understand yeah. that those were decisions that I made, but those were decisions that I made because I knew that I need to make this work. This is important. You know, you need to push, 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 fight, fight, fight. And right. I got that from him and I, it was what I needed when I needed it. And that's how I ended up starting a business, starting a podcast, beating cancer, recovering from surgery, running a 5K. I mean, so much of what I did last year was because I had I knew that I had Jason in my corner. And then yeah. when I went on his show and he's like, well, you know, you're an inspiration to me. He goes, because when I look at stuff that I'm not getting done, I just think of what you've done. And I'm like, I have no excuses. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is what I like to call the most unempathetic motivator that I've ever listened to in my life. I mean, there's a lot of motivators yeah. out there that will that have a lot of empathy and, you know, oh, you know, this is that, you know, so we're going to show you how to do this. But Jason's pretty much in your face. It's like, dude, if you're not getting up and doing 
learn something, then, you know, that's your problem. But, you know, here, I'm going to give you the opportunity and I'm going to give you my information and you can use my information to do whatever you want to do. And I think just that, that, uh, because I'm kind of wired that way too. And it's just like, I, I need to hear that you know, yeah. to, to be, to be motivated to do that. So I guess it takes a, a special kind of quality of a person to get through to me. So <laughs> what he does, what he does better than anybody else is, and, and this is when he changed directions with his show to go from a libertarian um, talk podcast to more of a personal growth podcast, it hit me at exactly the right time because I was in a company that was essentially falling apart and one of the, you know, oh, you know how big he is on the concept of raising your human capital. Yeah, that is what saved my job because I knew so much that I could be one employee doing the job of three or four different people. I could manage the warehouse. I could do some light bookkeeping. I could take take care of inventory, take care of logistics, take care of the IT. I could do all this stuff as one person, and I was one of the last people that worked for that company when that company folded, it folded in a different direction that didn't need any of the jobs I had, but I gave myself thanks to Jason. And I even told him this in an email I gave, he, he gave me the motivation to give myself the respect to learn as much as I could to be as indispensable as I could. And that kept me as employed as long as I could be. And the funny footnote is that because of Jason and me learning all those things in that other job, I was unemployed for four days nice, before I nice. found another job because of, I think it, and, yep. and because Sorry. of Jason, yeah. because of Jason. Yeah. So I owe him. And, you know, I told him that I, I, I was so happy that I got to tell him that I was like, I owe you huge. He That's goes, cool. you don't owe me anything. He goes, your success is my thanks. And I was yeah. like, damn, you're a good dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always been wired that way myself. I mean, with the companies that I've worked for before. And I think Dougie uh, shares the sentiment. It's like, you got to be the best at what you're at. And you got to be multifaceted at the company that you're at, that you can be able to do or take care of, uh, of the, of the job of anybody there. And that makes, that gives you that kind of staying power to at least not only keep yourself employed, but to also keep the company uh, going. I mean, there's a lot of times where our company, you know, a couple of companies that I've worked for before, it's just like, they're just not going. But but my worth that, that I knew, that I learned from my parents was, was just as such that you make yourself the best you can, you do as many jobs as you can, and sometimes you make the money, sometimes you don't, but at least they recognize that you're going to probably be the last one to go. <laughs> yeah. And, well, so. and that too, and, that... and also, you know, um, building all those skills is putting more and more things into your personal toolbox so mm -hmm. that you have those tools to use to help get yourself another job or advance where you are, whatever the case may be. Uh, just just learning new techniques and learning new tricks, learning new things, um, being aware of what's going on. Those are all tools that you need to you need to keep and maintain. Yeah, it's it's something that people underestimate that you they underestimate the value even of something simple like like education. And you know, Jason always talks about it, and he's right. You there's no excuse for a lack of knowledge anymore. You have the internet. If you have the internet, you have the world's knowledge in front of you. You just have to access it. And yeah. he's he's a hundred percent right. Like I wanted to get better at my product photography for my website. I took a class on Skillshare. 
And I'm pretty damn sure my product photography looks better than it ever has because of a couple of classes I took on Skillshare. Right, just it a does. couple of tricks. <laughs> just, 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 to, just to learn a couple of tricks, either either through example or you know through a through a course. I mean, you can yeah. you can learn things, or at least some people can learn things just by looking. Right, you know, she's. Let's see, how did how did they do that? How did they get that shadow there? Um, you know, weird things, uh, backdrops, all that sort of stuff make a big difference. You know, what what color the the pad is that you're that you're having the the, the item sit on. Um, what else is seen in the scene? Where the eye focus goes? All yeah. these things are all techniques. You know, and it's and it's things that if you're interested in in getting a good product photograph, that any inquisitive person would figure out or learn right yeah i mean you have one of the craziest but you have to do it yeah one of the craziest things is that my job right now my day job is a skill that i didn't have when i got the job believe it or not i learned it on the job in a hurry um if i do product packaging that's what i do now i design product Mm -hmm. packaging for a company that makes bluetooth speakers and headphones and stuff like that and we have we you know you buy your stuff the way the business basically works is you there are suppliers in china they make certain things you contract with them to put your label your box all your stuff with it and then they you sell it as your own item the reality is that the packaging for these items is just hot garbage it's disgusting it's it's terrible it's usually just some generic 90 percent of them is a generic woman walking down the street with the product just photoshopped over them i'm not even exaggerating not even like in their hands just over them they're terrible right (laughs) and it's like bluetooth speaker that's it that's all it says on it's like okay but so so now we have we have a, a design language We've developed um, a brand identity, you know, a color scheme, um, a style for our packaging, uh, the kind of packaging that we use. It's not just corrugated cardboard boxes. It's these beautiful card boxes that are wrapped and they have magnetic closures and they have nice foam inside. Like all this stuff that we've done was never done before in my company. And when companies want to buy this speaker, yeah, you could probably buy our speaker from another company that that's selling the, just the Chinese version, or you can buy ours and put it on your shelf and it looks like you're selling a premium brand. But this was these were all skills that I learned on the job. And I mean, on the job, like you have a deadline of Friday to design a product package. Like, wait, what? I have to do what? <laughs> I've never do done that before. Yeah. And the first time I said I'd never done it, my boss said, I have faith you're going to figure it out. And you have till Friday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get that challenge all the time. I get that challenge all the yeah, time. You know, and, hey, we're going to flip that. We're going to go ahead. Oh, go good ahead. Thing, you know, and, and having, a, having a good mentor is really important too. You know, when I was in school, I had a I had a retired Madison Avenue exec as my marketing teacher. And, you know, he was just funny. You know, he'd like fake the big cigars hanging out of his mouth and saying, you do this and you're going to be a fat cat and all that sort of stuff. But you know what? It, it, it was all just human nature being manipulated or, or focused, right? You know, it's like like you said. Mm-hmm. said you know, the, the, the window dressing on the product um, will sell the product faster than the reputation of the product. Because yeah, it won't draw it anybody's eye to yeah. it. You, they're not even going to care. They're not going to read the exactly. reputation. Yeah. We yeah. will rule the world, Stimpy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna we're going to just swap and and do uh, and do what we came here for, and talk about what a maker is and stuff like that. But I've got some bills to pay, so we're just gonna break here for a quick uh, quick bite, and then we will be right back. We're back on the New Weathered Soul podcast, and we're here with Vincent Ferrari from uh, uh, Because We Make podcast, and. Uh, we're just having a good time talking, uh, you know, just uh, me and Dougie are here. Dougie's still there? I am still here. All right. <laughs> right on. Still here. I know Vince <laughs> is still here because I can hear him breathing, but hey, I wanted to get into the reason why we're here. I wanted to find out, number one, it's like the maker community. I wanted, I wanted to figure out um, um, what is a maker because some people that are listening to the show don't, don't know what a maker is. And, and how did you find out when, how you, that you were a maker? Is that something you've been all your life? Well, so this is really funny. So growing up, my dad, my dad was a carpenter and my dad always told me, he goes, you're, when you get older, you're going to work with computers. And I said, no, no, I want to be a carpenter like you. He goes, you could be a carpenter, but I will break both of your damn legs. And I'm like, okay, so I guess I'm not going to be a carpenter. And it was just a skill that never ever clicked for me. I never had that ability. In fact, um, our first and second apartment, everything in that apartment that was constructed in any way, hell, I had to have my dad come up once and hang pictures for me. I mean, that's how unbelievably uncoordinated when it came to this stuff I was. Inept. <laughs> Completely. Like a level of ineptitude that I mock now. <laughs> I think that was me. And it was so April of, this is really funny, April of 2017, I got the bug up my butt. Like I have always wanted a 3D printer. Like I just wanted one. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with one. I just thought they were the coolest thing ever. Like, oh, I could just have an idea and just turn it into a thing. That's cool. I want that. I got one and I used the hell out of that thing. And within three months, I was making fidget spinners and Harry Potter wands for people and selling them. Like, it was almost like, wow, you can sell this stuff. And it just clicked, like, I want to do more. And little by little, I started building up a little maker space in my basement. Because our basement, when we moved here, up until 2017, so five years, basically, our basement had nothing but garbage in it. I mean, literally nothing but garbage. There were boxes all over it, and it had nothing but boxes. So I cleaned up a little corner, and I put a workbench in, and that changed my life. It totally changed my life because I had a space now. I had a dedicated space. It was a corner of my basement, and I was like, okay, I could start doing stuff here. And I bought a belt sander because in 3D printing, you do a lot of body filling, use a lot of body filler and stuff, so you need something to do. And I was like, I'll get a belt sander. That'll help. I got a belt sander, and I got a miter saw. I was like, if I want to do something with a little bit of wood, a miter saw would probably be good. And I got my first miter saw. It was like 70 bucks refurbed. It was a piece of crap, but it was mine. And I had tools. I was starting to get tools. And I was like, hand tools or, or was that a, was that a, uh, oh, power tools, power tools. Okay. Yeah. So I learned, I learned how to do everything with hand tools. So he said, miter saw. I'm thinking about the old box saw with a miter box. Yeah. (laughs) And a miter box and a dovetail saw. Yeah. 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 That's Um, anyway. And I was like, I was like, okay, I'm I'm really enjoying this. So October of 2017, Steve Ramsey, who is a famous um, woodworker and a YouTuber on, um, you know, big on YouTube in the woodworking community, he started. He was going to do a class, 
um, an online class called The Weekend Woodworker. And it was basically meant to be an introduction to woodworking for people that have never done it. And I was like, well, I already have a miter saw. Um, I already have a belt sander. I can get, I have a drill. I can probably take this course. And I got the course. And the first week I got the list of tools you needed and supplies. And I built the first project in the first weekend. And I was like, I don't believe it. I made something out of wood. Like it was like, oh my God, my mind exploded. I made something. And that was all it took. And I did, I did all the whole course except for the last project. And the reason I didn't do the last project was because I'd gotten so good at woodworking that I had started to turn it into a business already. Um, and I didn't have time to finish the last project. Mm. That's how much I learned from this guy and his course. And I, when I had him on my podcast, you know, we were talking about the course. I said, that course changed my life. I said, and I feel guilty for not having finished it, but I didn't finish it for a very good reason. He goes, what was the reason you didn't finish it? I said, the reason I didn't finish it is because I learned enough to start turning it into a business that quickly. And he goes, that is the best reason to not finish my course. Right, right. See, see Vincent, this is, this is the thing here that, um, you know, is, is really impressive is the way that you could take, you know, any, any you know, I mean – we all have skills. I know, you know, Bruce is a good woodworker. You know, I've, I've built furniture. I've, I've done all the woodworking in my house. You know, I can do carpentry. I can do painting, sheetrock, all that sort of stuff. I'm a pretty handy guy. Um, but what amazes me is the way you turn that into a money-making operation. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's something, it's something that I, I don't have. That's one aptitude I don't have. I could do all the stuff, I, but I've got no yeah. way of how to turn that into a money-making. Other than maybe get 20 bucks for my neighbor for fixing his hinge or something. Right? <laughs> I don't know where it comes. I don't know where it comes from. I'm I'm just going to be dead honest with you. I don't know where it comes from, but it's almost like my first focus is like, oh, if I make this, I wonder if anyone would buy it. And so one of the other things I started doing. So in April of 2017, I had 140 Instagram followers. Okay. Wow. I just a few days ago crossed 740. So in like three years, and I know these numbers don't sound huge, but in three years, I went from 140 to 740. And why? Because I'm using the hell out of Instagram. I am, Mm -hmm. I'm constantly, when I make something, it goes on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And what has happened, Mm -hmm. what has actually happened, and I couldn't believe it. It just started happening organically was people would see something and go, Oh, can you make that for me? But you're damn right I can. Sure. <laughs> you're damn right. How quickly can I make it for you? When would you like it? You know? So on, on Instagram, but, yeah. were you just you were just displaying what you, your latest yeah. project was? I mean, for, so what, I, what I made? Yeah, so my my plan of attack, so it 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 formed into a plan of attack last year. Like last year it really came together as here's how I'm gonna really attack this. So it was threefold. I was going to do the podcast to grow my own brand name, my brand recognition, get myself a name within the community. That worked like a charm because I went from where no one knew me. And I won't say everyone knows me, but I know that when my co-host went to my co-host went to WorkbenchCon, which is a show for makers and content creators, people were asking about me when they saw him, (laughs) which means that my name is out there to a point where people actually know who I am now. Um, the second thing was, yeah, I was just posting everything on Instagram. I was very, very, very active, posting a lot of stuff, a lot of behind the scenes pictures, a lot of this is what I'm working on. And the third part of the strategy was to build out my website 
in a way that would have inventory present that frankly, and you know, I can say this to you guys because I don't know that you're necessarily my customers, but I don't really care if anything ever sells on the website, right? The stuff on the website is more of a portfolio that you can, uh, you can buy if you want it. But I want to be able to say, hey, if you go to vincentmferrari.com, you can see my store and you can see the kind of stuff I make. I don't care if you buy anything, but I know that when you go there, you're going to see what I'm capable of. And you may want a custom based on what you see. And that's what I want to do. I want to make stuff for you. But I also want you to see the stuff. Hey, hey, you know what? Maybe you will go to the store and buy something. But if you don't, you're going to see that I can do a lot. And if you want something made, I can probably make it for you. And it yeah. it's worked for me. It's even last year when I, I, I basically had half a year where I couldn't do anything. I made a couple of grand just, you know, starting everything up and getting the ball rolling and getting the recognition going and building out my network and having Ethan. And the great thing about having Ethan was he brought a whole bunch of new people into the mix for me mm-hmm. that I never knew or didn't have any connection to. And that by itself grew the the overall brand. The And I'm talking the Because We Make brand, the Handmade by Vincent Ferrari brand, and my personal brand. Like it all started interweaving. And now I feel like, yeah, it's just, I'm going through the growth thing. Like I'm pushing so that I'm always out in front of people. And yeah. the maker movement of people who, you know, take raw materials and turn them into something, whatever it is, I feel like I'm an active part of that community now. And even if it's not the stuff I make, I'm helping to promote other makers through the podcast and that's getting people to respect what I'm doing in the community. So maybe my stuff isn't teaching people how to make a cabinet, but I may have a really good cabinet maker on who can tell you what they do and you can make that connection with them through me. It's it's incredible how this thing just kind of evolved into a strategy. Right, right. I mean, just being in in the uh, in the uh, group that we that we me and you share the influencer uh, uh, group, I have met so many people, and I think those are the people that have driven me. And you know, some have been on this podcast. Some of uh, some I just talked to every once in a while. We finally got you on the podcast, but I mean, there was a struggle there for a while with with me and 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 doing this thing. It's just like, okay, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? You know, and then. Uh, Jason had his uh, podcast domination uh, uh, thing was the best money I ever spent. And, uh, and uh, I think what I'm going to is is that that there's some, there's some struggles and stuff that, that you need to push yourself with. Mm -hmm. And, and there's just, uh, I think a lot of people have a problem with getting over that hump. I think like Jason says, is that they're too worried about, well, what happens if I can't instead of uh, what happens if I could. You know, Jim, and, uh, Jimmy DeResta, the godfather of making, has a quote that every maker knows because it's just that one motivating quote that everyone knows in the community. And it's just the one thing that pushes most of us. Right. And the quote is, everyone worries about what happens if everything goes wrong. But what you should be wondering is, well, what happens if everything goes right? Right. Hmm. What if what mm-hmm. if everything goes to plan? What if everything happens? How happy will you be? Well, if your answer is very happy, then you have no excuse to not start moving in that direction. <laughs> that's the answer. Then you, is, you're, you're failing yourself if you don't do it, right? You're failing <laughs> yourself if you don't at least start and take an attempt. And frankly, that's what Jason's message has been since he changed the format of the show. You can, right. you can, you have to start, you have to get moving 
even if it's a small movement in a direction, you have to do it. And I'll tell you what, I felt so a couple of weeks ago, I thought I was my job was going to get coroned. I thought I was laid off for two months. So I pushed as if I had no job. I was like, okay, organize the shop. Let's start. Let's start cranking stuff out. I'm going to I'll do the best I can make the make as much as I can. If I have to get unemployment, I'll get unemployment. But I am not going to take this laying down. I allowed myself to feel sorry for myself for a couple of hours the day I heard it. And I tore ass through my shop that weekend. I set everything up in my jewelry shop and in my workshop downstairs to get ready for not having a job. Well, it turns out I still have a job. But I'm also cranking out client work at a rate that I've never done in my life. You finally made those uh, boards, huh? I, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. Because I know. I know we've talked. I know we talked about a couple of projects that I wanted you to do. I still haven't got the got the you know this whole thing with the Corona thing has has kind of put us at a standstill. But yeah. Yeah, I remember you t- discussing on your podcast before about some of the stuff that you were behind on. But I mean, this has just sparked you into something, uh, you know, I, I, I guess not to necessity is the mother invention, but having a little bit of urgency you will know, definitely push you forward. I, I, had, I had such big plans for how I wanted to go forward. I thought after my surgery, I would recover from surgery and that would be it, right? I thought, okay, I'll be cancer free. Everything's going to be great finish the surgery, I find out that no, they didn't take out all the cancer because it would have been too much of an aggressive surgery. So I had to go through another six months of chemo. Mm. All right, fine, whatever. The chemo kicked my ass, right? But I finally got through that. And I was finally starting to put things together. And I was like, okay, everything's starting to happen. Things are starting to roll. Everything's starting to go good. And then I started fighting depression in a way that I've it scares me the places my mind was going. Mm-hmm. And that was from <laughs> oddly right after I was on Jason's show in the middle of December, all the way until literally a couple of weeks ago. And it was bad, dude. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was bad. In fact, when I did the, um, the personality survey for my, um, for my therapist, when I started working with her, um, she said, you have severe depression and severe anxiety. And I'm concerned. She said, you, I'd love to help get to the root causes of both. She said, but I'm so worried about how fragile you are that I don't think it would be prudent to dig right now. We have to just get you to a more stable place. That's how bad it was. Mm-hmm. You've been through so much, man. I mean, and, you know, I've... and, and I finally got through that. And a couple of weeks ago, we finally had the breakthrough that unlocked everything. And I finally started feeling better. And I'm like, okay, blue skies in front of me. Everything's going to be fine. And then this Corona thing happens and I'm about to lose my job and I lost it. And I'm, I'm like, and I, I went on, Jason has a private, um, private social network. Mm-hmm. And I went on the social, I went on there and I just ranted. I wrote like a thousand words and I'm like, I said, I, I can't, I can't deal with this. Every time I think everything's going to be okay, something worse happens. And just, I, I, I took, I, I said to him, I said to Jason, I took your message to heart. I'm working so hard to build something and it's not done. And I, I don't have enough of it to continue with only that. And now I'm screwed, even though I was doing the right thing. And every time I think I have my feet on solid ground, someone yanks the carpet out from under me. It's either it's cancer, it's depression, it's my job, it's 
a stupid virus that I have nothing to do with and no control over every single time. And I can fight. And this is not, I even said, this is not me giving up, but this is me saying, damn it, I'm tired of fighting. Can't I just not be fighting for once in my freaking life? And Jason said to me, he goes, you have been through in the last year, more than most people have gone through in their entire life. You need to give yourself a break. You need to think about this more rationally. And then you need to start figuring out what you need to do and take this as an opportunity to do it. And it really, it brought me back to earth profoundly and it Mm -hmm. just refocused me. And that, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I can't imagine not having someone that can deliver that to you. Like it was, it was eye opening. It was shocking to me. It was a shock to my system to just hear you're fine. It's okay. You, you, yes, you are not where you want to be, but you're also still pushing in spite of what you're going through. And it just, it hit me right in the gut. I was like, yes, he's right. I am still, there's nothing wrong. All right. I didn't get there, but that didn't stop me. I'm still going. And it was, that was all I needed. Yeah. I think his best advice to me is that you got to look at the little wins that you get and Mm -hmm. you know, it, it goes by, you know, getting up on time in the morning. That's a win. Tell yourself it's a win. And then if you've got something that you wanted to do right after you got up in the morning and, and you keep doing it, that's a win. And you, yeah. and you keep telling yourself that that's a win. And that puts that winning attitude into your brain. And uh, it's just amazing what that does for you. And uh, I do know he's your mentor and stuff. And, and we've heard about your struggles and, and things. Is the maker community, how, 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 are they, uh, how are they helping you out as far as, as, far as your uh, inspirations? And who are some of your favorite makers? So the guy who I, I, there are a couple of people who I like will say that, well, so Bob Claggett of I Like to Make Stuff is the guy who I would say I credit the most with even being a maker. Um, Bob is one of the, Bob is what he likes to call, he's a universalist, where he's not a specialist in any one thing. He just likes learning new skills and doing things. And he has one of the most popular making related YouTube channels. And he's just an amazing guy. I've had, I've had the privilege of meeting him in person um, at um, Maker Fair New York a couple of years ago. And I had the privilege of having him on my podcast and it was Mm. just being able to talk to him and just, you know, it's hard to convey how much these people inspire me, but he was the reason I have a shop. He's the reason I do this. Um, Steve Ramsey, another one who I would not be a woodworker without Steve Ramsey. Um, People like there's a, there's so many people. There's like Jimmy Duresta, the godfather of making, you know, Mm. he is like, I don't do the stuff he does, but his just artistic sensibilities are just remarkable to me. Right, right. Um, I hear you talk about a guy, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Ulrich. He's a he's actually Bruce a friend. Ulrich, yeah. He's a friend of mine, and so he's a he's an he's an incredible guy. And there's two guys who I kind of think about in the same way. It's Bruce. It's Bruce Ulrich and my friend Bernie Solo. Also, mm-hmm. these are two guys who I used to watch their YouTube videos. Like these were like I was like, wow, these are like famous YouTubers. Right. And they're like, I love these guys. And they've become friends. Like I have friends. I am friends with people who I used to watch on YouTube and idolize. And it's just the greatest thing in the world. Like I can, I can, if I wanted to, I could pick up the phone and call Bernie and talk to him. Like he called me tonight just to see how I was, just to see how I was doing. 
Yeah. And it's yeah, like, fantastic. wow, this is a guy whose videos I used to watch and just wanted to, I wanted to just pick his brain and work with him. And here he is just calling to see how I'm doing. Like, it's just, a, it's, it's amazing to me. It's amazing yeah, to me. Yeah. The maker community is the one thing that, you know, I have a friend who's going to, who gets pissed off when people say this, but there's no, there's no cutthroat competition in the maker community. Mm-hmm. Everybody's there to help support everybody and grow everybody and teach everybody and share skills and share what we've learned. And it, it is the most pure form of community I've ever been a part of, you know, cool. it, it's, it's, it's just remarkable how supportive people are and how willing they'll, they'll rush to your side and they'll do anything they can to help. And it's just the greatest group of people. You know, the internet is known for being a toxic cesspool of, you know, horribleness. But then mm-hmm. I've met so many people in the last three years or so that have just completely, completely turned me around on what kind of people are on the internet. If And I'm just a piece of advice for your listeners. If you think the internet is a cesspool, you're hanging around the wrong parts of the internet. There are some really, really good people out there. And if you're not seeing them, then you probably just aren't hanging out in the right places. Yeah, that's important about the 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 company that we keep and and uh, me and Dougie's known each other for a while and and the community around where we're at here in Gilroy is really reaching out. I mean, it's really really good. I mean, as as bad as this coronavirus is and, and things like that, uh, it's brought out. Admittedly, it's brought out the worst in people, but uh, in the small community that we have, in the small community of friends that me and Doug share together, uh, it's brought out probably the best I've ever seen anybody act in in, in bike. You know, since I've been here in Gilroy, I've been here in 10 years. Dougie's been here longer. And, uh, you know, it's just we're all out there to help each other and and, uh, and we might make sure it works, you know, and, yeah. and uh, because it's not working for everybody right now. uh, We have a community of people right now that have never touched a sewing machine before that are learning how to use a sewing machine so they can make masks for people. And that's the kind of people that I'm hanging around with now. I'm not talking about, we're not talking. And you know, this is, I I know we've talked about Jason a lot. I mean, it's one of the things that we have in common, right? But this is, this is when Jason talks so much about changing the world, not by political means, this is the kind mm-hmm. of stuff he's talking about. When Absolutely. when when somebody is in need, we don't need to be ordered by the government to make masks. You have people sitting at home all day long with fabric and elastic yep. making masks because yep. it's the right thing to do. It's because it's something they're able to do. It's some way that they're able to help. Yeah. And yep. it's like you, you these this is the toxic internet. No, this is the yeah. good of the internet. This is what the internet is right. good at. Right. Right. And if just yeah. just to walk outside your door to your neighbor's house and just to say, hey, you OK, everything good. Uh, you know, me and Doug, we, we pass by each other's houses all the time, sit back, just, you know, you know, chat for 15, 20 minutes, whatever we can, you know, just to get out and just to get some air and just to make sure that everybody's OK. I mean, mm. you know, that, just that little bit of little bit of just communication will impact people so much. And uh and uh, I encourage people to do that all the time. Doug, you were going to say something? Well, no, just agreeing with you that, uh, you know, also <laughs> trying to trying to keep the um, uh, local economy going as best we can by ordering out and, um, you know, shopping locally, but, you know, within within the restraints of things. You know, if, if you wanted to really be ridiculous um, and follow the word of the law, 
I mean, you shouldn't even be going to the hardware store to buy fertilizer for your lawn um, because you don't need it. Okay? If you need food, you get food. If you need medicine, you get medicine. Other than that, you're supposed to be staying home. You know, and, and yeah, Doug, Doug, Doug tells me that all the time. Yeah, well, you know, that's... that's <laughs> He's not wrong. That's, He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the way it is. Hey, listen, you know, you know, um, Bruce and I got, got pretty sick um, back when was it? The end of December, right? Uh, yeah, just December, just about the second week of December. I yeah. had it the first week of December, but I know exactly and, what you're talking yeah, about. I, I got to tell you, it was the sickest I've ever been in my life. I mean, it was sicker than than measles or chicken pox or mumps or anything. I I, mm-hmm. I was I was sick. I coughed so much and so hard. My muscles in my back were aching. Um, you know, so it's so it's like that. That was enough. That that was my sick for the year. I don't, I don't want any more sick. You know, um, <laughs> I, I used to travel. I used to travel for a living. I used to be on um, five or six flights a week, every week for it was probably almost. 18 years and um you know that that kind of low level exposure to everything kept my immune system pretty tweaked and and i didn't get sick too often um but now i don't do that anymore and i don't feel i have that that you know that uh whatever they're calling it on the news herd immunity or whatever (laughs) the herd immunity that i I used to have (laughs) so so you know i can understand you know if if you're not exposed to it all the time and you get whacked by it, you get pretty sick. But you know, then again, if you're if you're fairly healthy, uh, it, it doesn't. Some people are, are sick; they don't even know it. You know, or some people are sick; yeah. they have a they have a fever for a yeah. few days, and then a low level fever for a couple of weeks, and that's you know they cough for a few days, and that's as bad as it gets. Yeah. Right. So so yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's amazing. The only thing that that you know scares me is it's it's a virus, you know, and, and um, their their job is to live, right, and. <laughs> and they're gonna, it's gonna do it one way or another, right? It's gonna fight our, our efforts too. to try to suppress it. <laughs> so, where, where do you think that making's going now with this, uh, with this environment of coronavirus and and people losing their job and and just kind of is it? Is, do you do you see in the group that the uh, that people are starting to make a move to to do things on their own and, and start doing stuff uh, out of their house? Besides, you know, like I said, you know, they're making masks and stuff now. But uh, do you see any self preservation after the fallout of this, or what? what, is, I, what do you think? I haven't, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if you think about it, right? I know it feels like we've been dealing with this forever, but it's barely a month. Yeah, yeah it really. You yeah, know, I, so I it's it's. I don't think it's sunk in. I think people are just like, oh, any day now we're going to go back to normal. But I think the further we get from going back to normal, the the less likely that's going to feel. And I think that the maker community is going to start going, okay, we need to be more of the uh, self-sufficient community. I do see that coming. I just, I don't know when, you know, it's hmm. like, I, it's like the, it's like economists, right? They can tell you what's going to happen, but they can't tell you when it's going to happen. Well, right. this is this is one of those situations where I can tell you this is going to happen you because know, uh, if the new normal means every yeah. year we're going to have to deal with a virus like this, it's going to have to happen. That that's it. There's no two ways about it. So, Vince, have, you, have, you lived I, in, have you lived in New York your whole life? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I grew up. I was born in Long Island. I grew up in Connecticut, and. Um, yeah, there's something that I, I like to tell people about myself, and a lot of them don't understand it, but I think you probably will, and that's damn Yankee. 
all right? I'm a damn Yankee. And to me, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's a maker, a survivalist, a um, uh, economic, you know, a, a economist, a, a conservative, a liberal, whatever you want to think. But, but basically what it means is, you know, we're used to hardship, right? I mean, we were brought up and yeah. you know, we, we, we were brought up with all the stories of how bad it was during the Revolutionary War and during the Great Depression and our parents grew up in the Great Depression, all that stuff. So, so I think that you and I can, can kind of relate to the same thing in saying that it's like, whatever it takes, man, I'm going to survive. I was, I was thinking the other day, I remember it was like 1983-ish, and I saw what my dad made. I saw one of his pay stubs, and I remember thinking, how much money? That's a lot of money. I was like seven or eight years old at the time, and I remember thinking like, wow, that is just a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And I thought about it a couple of days ago. I was like, gee, I wonder how much money that is, you know, with inflation and the value of money the way it is. And I couldn't live with just my wife and I on what my father, who was the only person in the family working, was supporting a wife, two children, and basically everything. I don't know how my parents did it. I don't know how my parents did it. I mean, I'm not going to say we lived large. We didn't, my father as a carpenter, I would say he was out of work as much as he was at work in the course mm -hmm. of a year. He was laid mm -hmm. off at least six months out of the year. I mean, it's just, sure. that was the routine, right? Weather. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you look at that number and you take that number and you cut it in half because he's only making it half the year. And all of this starts hitting you and you're like, wow, we survived. And that's yeah. what, that's when I, you know, when I thought I was losing my job, I was like, okay. Is it going to be a lifestyle change? Of course, it's going to be a lifestyle change. I mean, if it's not a lifestyle change when you lose your your income, then something's wrong with you, right? But can I survive? <laughs> <Something> very right. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's nothing there is nothing at all that tells me that I'm not going to make it through, even if I have to fight, like as Jason always said, like fight like a dog in the street, right? And that mentality, you know, thank. God, my parents instilled it in me. You know, if that's what you mean by a damn Yankee where nothing is going to stop me because winners win, then yeah, yeah. winners win. Hard and I'm always, I'm always going to freaking come out on top. And you will always, 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 always lose if you bet against me. Yeah. If there was one thing that you were going to say to the audience today about uh, making and about going forward in this uh, in this environment or, or anything about what you're doing, what would it be? There's no excuse to not start. None. None. Yeah. No matter what you're doing, you can find the time. I built a business in the hours before I went to my day job. If I can do that, fight cancer, get through surgery, go through six months of chemo after going through two months of chemo, if I could do all that, you can, there's no excuse. There is no, ex nothing you have going on in your life is an excuse to not pursue making yourself a better person get, and chasing, even no matter how ridiculous that dream is, there's no excuse for not at least taking a crack at it. Just stop thinking about it and start. Man, Vincent, Vincent Ferrari, thank you for being on the show, man. Why don't you plug yourself? Sure. So um, you can find the podcast drops every Wednesday morning. It's at becausewemake.com. You can just search Because We Make in every podcatcher under the sun. We are in every directory in every podcatcher. 
Um, you can find me at um, on Twitter at Handmade by VF, on Instagram, Handmade by Vincent Ferrari, or you can check out my website, uh, VincentMFerrari.com. Man, it's been a great time. And uh, man, I'm just so glad talking to you, Vincent. It's like I've known you forever. And I sure wish that the Gilroy thing could have worked out this week, uh, this year, because I had the room all ready for you, man. We were going to have a good old time. But uh, you know what? It's going to come back. And, and uh, I'm sure you're going to be out here and you'll meet Dougie and everybody. And I'm just glad that you came on this podcast. What a great conversation that we had. Oh, I would, I would, I can't wait. I hope I get the chance to come back again. And as far as the the garlic festival, you can bank on it that if there's a garlic festival next year, that my wife and I will both be there. So don't worry. They're definitely, (laughs) they're definitely talking about having it. So Doug, you have any last thoughts? No, I'd just like to thank Vincent for all of his insights and information and, uh, you know, wish him the best and, uh, his family and hope that I will be meeting him in person someday soon very soon let's hope soon (laughs) well we want to thank you for tuning in to the uh, new weather soul podcast and like i said we are our distributor is anchor.fm and we are recording on zencaster and this is for first note production so i want to say goodbye to you all and dougie why don't you say good night good night dougie and for best results please squeeze from the bottom up right on Thank you guys, man. That was fantastic.